1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: The annual... Cancer Council Relay for Life and feel really privileged to be here I think it might be one of our best shows of the year Gary Birkinshaw, good morning to you and our first guest coming up in a few moments time and really looking forward to sharing this story with our listeners Dave Burns who's running in memory of his son Aaron, good morning to you mate glorious weather for this event which will go not just today but also into tomorrow morning. Yeah
3: good morning Steve and look fantastic to be here at Mingara for it's a pretty special occasion the Relay for Life and look very emotional for a lot of people are out there running, you know, they're running for some people that, that they've known who, who've suffered from, from cancer and lost their lives over that, so it's in that remembrance you mentioned there about Dave Burns coming in for, for his son, but, uh, but you know it brings back a lot of memories But but this is such an iconic event 22nd year here at Mingara, three years since it's been here, and the amount of money they've raised, a bit of research in that over the course of the week. And it's what a fantastic job that this event does.
2: Yeah, by the way, uh, Sarah Russell joining us in this first break. I can see she's busy texting. She's been on the phone all morning, and uh, gates open here. I think they swing open around about midday today, and really looking forward to watching the action. So, Dave Burns is ready for us. I uh, hope you enjoy this interview. Dave, good morning. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Uh, good morning, Steve. Dave, uh, thank you so much for sharing your story through the week, and it was told beautifully by a legend on the Central Coast uh, in, news, uh, in news camera work, but also uh, freelance camera work. He's worked at six Olympic Games as a cameraman. He's also worked at the Australian Open Tennis. Terry Chigwidden filmed your interview, and it was just beautiful, my friend. Can you tell us some of the reasons why you're running in the Relay for Life?
4: um yeah sure steve uh so uh last year um sadly uh my son who was 34 years old um died from a brain tumor uh, he'd uh, been fighting it for two years which was a very traumatic time for uh him and all his family and friends um and uh this year uh i'm a member of terrible trotters running club um and trotters have always supported the relay for life uh, since its inception, and uh, this year uh, I made a point of being part of the team and uh, I'm going to try and run um, 34 kilometres uh, during the relay to uh, uh, remember my son, um, who just uh, 14 months ago passed away uh, so tragically.
2: Gary and I, both fathers, we can't understand, and we've both got sons, can't understand can't comprehend what you've been through my friend so we're supporting you every step of the way and you've got family members coming from around australia to be a part of this
4: that's right um yep it's uh unfortunately when Aaron died uh, last year it was at the height of the covid lockdown um and uh we couldn't have a funeral um for some time and then when we did have it it was only for the limited 10 people all socially distanced as you might remember so uh most of um Aaron's cousins and aunts and uncles live in Melbourne, Victoria and they couldn't come up for the funeral um which was uh hard on all of us uh anyway uh when my siblings heard that I was going to um run the 34k in uh Relay for Life um they only heard a week ago uh they three of them decided that they're going to drive up just for 24 hours They're actually on the road now um they're going to get here around lunchtime and then they've got to drive back tomorrow uh to melbourne because they all have business uh there so um obviously it's very touching for me that uh they're making this effort and uh and two of them are cancer survivors as well, so um, I guess that adds a bit. Uh, and it, I guess it just demonstrates that uh, there's no family that isn't touched by cancer in some way.
3: Yeah. G'day, Dave. Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. Congratulations on what, you, what you're doing doing today. Mate, tell us a little bit about Aaron, mate. Tell him, you know, 30, just looking at the interview, 34 years years of age, 32 when he was diagnosed, but he, he put a lot into those 34 years.
4: He, he certainly did, you know. He was... Um, well, as I said in the uh, video interview with Terry, um, every child is special to their parents and uh, <laughs> Aaron was no exception but um, he was very smart you know, graduated with uh, first class honours in advanced mathematics at uh, of New South Wales um, he was a musician, he played the piano um, quite well uh, he loved his sport, um, he was brought up in America mostly, uh, which is where we lived at the time but Even coming back to Australia as a 16-year-old, he took up AFL football and cricket um, and played both competitively. Uh, He was a coach for one of the uni of New South Wales' uh, second or third teams and and, and a player for them as well. He loved Geelong AFL Football Club um, through his family. Uh, So it was particularly poignant this year where Geelong had such a good year that... uh, all of his family, most of us who barracked for Geelong as well, just know how excited he would have been and how much he would have enjoyed it. And uh, he just got on very well with everybody. He was a big traveller. Um, he and his, uh, uh, his wife um, spent months touring Africa and South America um, doing all the things that we dream of doing. And uh, he was just getting to the stage where uh, he had a career in um, one of the banks and uh, was on the point of... Uh, Starting a family, and um, had only been married a couple of years, and uh, looking at buying a house at Barara actually, and uh, and then he got diagnosed, and everything got put on hold, and then we had the three years of radiotherapy and uh, chemotherapy and everything else uh, that uh, people who uh, have been associated with cancer sufferers know about, and uh, uh, things just went downhill from there. Um, he fought bravely; never cared. For himself, uh, always more worried about um, his um, mother and father and wife uh, and the impact that it was having on them than himself. And uh, I never heard a single complaint from him right up to the very end. So, uh, yeah, he was something special.
2: Yeah, Dave, uh, I was sobbing after I watched the video. And in particular, when you just mentioned about Geelong, that really touched a nerve because that's something that I guess all fathers share with their sons who love sport is that bond that you you talk sport every weekend and the Geelong Cats did it in emphatic style. Can you share with our audience, what are your plans today? Because 34 kilometres, you know, it's almost, you're getting close to a marathon. So what time do you arrive? What kind of, are you setting some kind of pace when you're down here? How long do you think it'll take to run 34 kilometres? And I believe also at some point, Spectators have to go home and it's just left to the runners and walkers and people that are actively involved. Is that correct?
4: Uh, that's right. So I think uh, 10 o'clock, spectators have to leave. Um, I'm hoping to run it in around four hours. So uh, since my siblings will probably be um, leaving to go and get some sleep, uh, in the evening I'm going to try and do it in the first four hours that uh, people start running. Um, four hours is going to be a bit of a challenge for me. I'm 70, nearly seventy-two um, with a replace, with a replace chip, um, so uh, I'm uh, you know I, I think I can probably do it, um, but I'm, I haven't done it for a long time. Um, I definitely was a serious runner. In my youth, and, uh, and and so I sort of know what I'm in for. But uh, I think that,
2: yeah, I think the last few hours could be interesting. We'll see. Hey Serious run is an understatement. My yeah. intel is that he beat De Costello back in the day. Uh, no,
4: I never beat De Castella. That uh, that intel is incorrect. But <laughs> I was uh, I was in his cohort, so. Um, I was and also ran in a few of the races that Zee Costello did and I was in a few uh, Victorian teams with him um, over the years. Uh, He was always... uh, He was a legend then and... uh, um, I tried to keep up with him, but, uh, yeah, no, I never beat him.
2: <laughs> hey, Gary, this sounds like uh, Steve Allen's ego creeping into this interview, but well, I thought I might run a lazy 10Ks with Dave, but now now that he's told us, he's setting a cracking pace.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm just in awe of just, just listening to you, Dave. That is, you know, to think oh, I'm a bit slower now, but going to do 34 kilometres, that's about eight and a half kilometres an hour. Yeah. Oh, that is a fantastic episode. So just quickly, Dave, how much running are you actually doing now? In, in preparation for this?
4: Um, well, uh, for the last three weeks, uh, I've been doing a little bit of running every day. I've always been trying to run deep every day, but, you know, as you get older, you get more injuries, not just the hip. So um, it's hard to string consistent, consistent training together. But I, I, I'm in reasonable shape. My mind tells me that I, I can do it. Um,
2: uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I really yeah, love parts uh, of the uh, interview, too. finish regardless.
3: Yeah, yeah. the motivation's right. definitely there, Dave, and there's no
2: doubt about that. Yeah. As, as devastating as your loss is, Dave, you've said also you want this to be a real celebration.
4: Yeah, look, um, you know, I had so many good times with R and um, we shared some great experiences. Um, and that's true from everybody. for everybody who's lost someone to cancer. You know, there'll be the happy memories that... There's always the uh, what might have been that you're going to think about, and certainly, um, as a father, you know you you would have liked the prospect of grandchildren and things like that that uh, that uh, Aaron wouldn't will never provide. But um, uh, so there's that that downside. But there were so many great times, you know, and it's not hard for me to think back to uh, different experiences, including running experiences that I had with Aaron, uh, plenty of hiking experiences. Kicking a football around and all those things that, uh, that mean so much to a parent. And, uh, and I'll be thinking about how good they were and how much he gave to me.
2: Dave, uh, I believe the Trotters—they've, you know, they've rallied around you in a magnificent way, and you've smashed your original target. But how do people donate? Um, well, if they if they Google Mingara,
4: Mingara Relay for Life, they can uh, find the. Um, the website, and, uh, and and then they can look for Terradock Trotters, and, um, uh, and you, then you can find out how to donate there, um, and that would be great. And yes, look, I, I've been overwhelmed by the number of people who've contributed, um, just in my name, but also the Trotters together uh, at the moment. We're top of the leaderboard for uh, fundraising um, through the efforts of uh, many other people besides me, and... Uh, that's a credit to uh, to those uh, members of the club, but it's also great thanks to all those people who've sort of heard all the stories and, um, and, and put their hands in their pockets. There's so many people asking for uh, money for very worthy causes these days. Um, it's always uh, very gratifying that people do find a way to put in a few dollars themselves.
2: Well, a lot of people have watched your video on the SEN Facebook page. Uh, You've had some great comments. Lauren Carr says, Dave Burns is a bloody legend. Wish I could be there with him today. Uh, Greg Bluey Woodbury, who's a good friend of the show, says a wonderful thing, Dave. Good luck and enjoy your run later on this afternoon. Uh, Dave, thank you so much. Uh, We can't wait to catch up with you later on today. I don't know about running 10Ks with him because he's going to be on. He's like Elliot Chip Kogi. He's on world record (laughs) pace.
3: You might be able to get him when he's going
2: around when you're being lapped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so
4: I don't think you'll have too much trouble keeping
2: up, Steve. Oh, by the way, is is there anyone else you want to thank? Uh, I'm sure Terry with that beautiful video that he made. But anyone else you want to thank today?
4: Um, probably people who aren't listening. uh, They they, they wouldn't be listening, you know. I've had donations from people I used to work with 20 years ago in the US who heard about it on Facebook um, and and donated $500 and things like that. uh, They won't be listening to this show, but, uh, you know, the the messages I've had have just uh, had me choking up.
2: Yeah. Hey, Dave, uh, our tentacles, they they spread far and wide. People could be (laughs) listening. uh, What part of the US?
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I worked in the New York area for uh, quite a few years, and uh, and and people I worked with um, who I still keep in touch with have uh, seen the, the messages and the video and have uh, and donated money.
2: Um, it's just extraordinary. Hey, that would have been a great experience. Did you run the New York Marathon while you were there?
4: Um, I have run it, um, but uh, at another time uh, I ran it in eighty six. I think um, eighty
2: six. Yeah, wow, the halcyon days of marathon running. I just got beaten by Greta Waits, as I recall.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a a name, famous Norwegian uh, female marathon runner.
2: Yeah, do you remember the time that you did back then in 86? In 86, I think I
4: did 231 or something. So I was in, in the twilight of my career then.
2: Yeah, wow, wow, in the twilight. So what were you doing in the prime?
4: Uh, A few 219s, uh,
2: 220, 221, 222. Wow, you would be... That's a long time ago now. Arguably arguably the greatest distance runner on the coast. I'm trying to think of someone who might have gone faster than that. Uh, Martin Dent, of course. Yeah, Yeah, wow.
4: I'm sure there are some people. And, of course, there's Paul Arthur up here. I'm not sure what marathon time he's done, but it's... he would have cleaned me up over most distances. Um, yeah, and but it, I mean, in those days there were many runners to my standard, um, and we were all trailing in the wake of people like Dick Castella and Wardlaw and Chettle, uh, and uh, people yeah. who were, you know, running two tens. Um,
2: yeah, I just uh, did a quick, uh, quick Google search uh, just to confirm that Alberto Salazar was around back then and won the New York Marathon. Um, yeah, right. what a runner he he was.
4: Yeah, he, I, I was in the uh, Boston Marathon in '82 when he won it, um, and I was 49th. <laughs> 49th in the Boston and, Marathon. Well, for that, for in, that in, alone, in, in, I'm in 6, giving you 21. a standing
2: ova- Giving you a standing ovation on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, he held uh, records at 5,000, 10,000 and the marathon, which we see a lot of runners do now. They step from every distance where they got blistering speed and then endurance as well. Dave, can't wait to see you later on today, mate, and thanks for joining us on the show. Okay, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Gary. Dave Bye. Burns joining us, running in memory of his son Aaron later on and just love that he shared that story because it would just be heartbreaking.
3: Oh, it certainly wouldn't. Yeah, parents that should never bury their, their kid. That's that's why. And just to, you know, Aaron just sounded like he was in his prime. They spent some great times together. And, and look, it's, it's emotional. I said earlier on, it's going to be emotional, but it is going to be a celebration. Um... And yeah, you know, to run thirty-four kilometres, what greater motivation have you got to get to that finish line?
2: Yeah, absolutely. The uh, open line number is thirteen hundred forty-two fifteen thirty-three. If you'd like to send a message to Dave, you can do that. You can do it via text if you like. Oh four double seven seven three six seven three six. Maybe you know someone else who's running in the Cancer Council... Cancer Council Relay for Life here at Mingara today. 0477-736736. 736 736. We'll give them a shout-out. Open line 130-421533. The show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Someone at Robson's celebrated a milestone this week. We'll tell you more about that. And also we do it thanks to McDonald Jones Homes. You can start your dream home today with McDonald Jones. Saturdays on the Coast on SEM.
1: Robson Civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the coast's trades choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast
2: yeah welcome back we 're live at mingara the Cancer Council relay for life the twenty second annual looking forward to it actually gary it 's a little like the calm before the storm the hardest working person here at the moment is Sarah Russell, but I think everything gets underway around about midday but everything is set up so let 's paint a picture there 's uh, giant marquees everywhere there 's like some ten uh, man tents <laughs> people ready to have a snooze at some point I guess and Later on today, 3 o'clock, the action gets underway. Actually, Sarah Russell's there. Let's see if we can drag her over quickly. Sarah, like I said, she's been texting. She's been on the phone all morning, the hardest-working woman in showbiz and just an absolute legend locally. Sarah, uh, we'll just turn your microphone on, Simon, if we could. There we go. I think we're ready for business. Okay. Uh, You excited?
5: I am. It's so good. It's so good to be back actually at live events and I know a lot of people have been saying that across all different industries but... It's such a cracker day here, and we've got such good numbers coming along. We're really excited.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You told us uh, there's a mantra or a motto that goes with this event?
5: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Relay for Life is a worldwide event, So, and the three key components are our ceremonies, which is celebrate, and we celebrate our survivors and carers. Then we have our... Um, remembrance which is remembering those we've lost and then fight back is our other our last ceremony which gives us the choice to choose how we change our lifestyle and choices to beat um, cancer and whether that's screening Lowering alcohol, not smoking, all different things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Have I got the timing right? So gates open at midday?
5: Correct. Gates open at midday and the opening ceremony, which is the celebration ceremony, kicks off at three. Yeah. What if
2: people just want to come down and take a look?
5: Absolutely. We'd love to see some day visitors. We've got some great food stalls. There's lots of activities for the kids Um, and just the atmosphere walking around the track. Uh, I know it says relay, but it doesn't mean, you know, you're running and holding batons. It's just basically just continually walking around the track. Cancer doesn't stop and neither do we.
2: Yeah, so first time that it's back and what are the numbers like compared to previously?
5: Really, really good. Like pre-COVID, it was a real struggle. Um, we're starting to see, you know, a shift in what people can do with um, different events. There's a lot lot of choices out there. But it's surprisingly how we've seen the numbers grow. We're looking at around 700 people um, coming along today. And that's just registrations and, like, for the day. That doesn't include on-the-day people, and I've got a bippy. <laughs> but, yeah, no, we're really, really excited about it, Yeah.
3: Now, I, I just understand, speaking to you earlier, now there is a bit of protocol when you get on the track. So if I'm a walker, <laughs> where is. am I supposed
5: to be? Okay, so the inside two lanes of the track are for runners because some people do like to challenge themselves and we've had people run the whole 18 hours. So uh, the inside two lanes are for the runners and then the outer lanes are just for those leisurely strolls round and round and round and round. So just be careful um, crossing lanes.
3: So Steve will definitely
2: be on the inside too. He, he, yeah, He's going for a PB for his 10K. Oh, time good, bit, right? good. <laughs> yeah, did you say 18 hours? So what time do things wrap up tomorrow morning? 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
5: So 3 p.m. to 8 a.m. It's a yeah. it's a big night.
2: We yeah. just spoke to Dave Burns running mm-hmm. in memory of his son Aaron, and we said maybe when people leave at 10, is, is that when it becomes even more emotional that it really hits you that every single person out there then is running specifically for the course.
5: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it really it really is the committed relayers that stay overnight. Um, and, and whilst, you know, there's no rule that you need to, but the, definitely once that 10 p.m. curfew and quiet time happens, it's very emotional. And that's following after the ceremony of, um, you know, our candlelight, remembering our loved ones so it's a real reflection time and um yeah it's pretty special at around 3 a.m through here with you know a few lonely walkers on the track or runners yeah
3: so 22 years has been going for Have there been many that have done all 22 that, that
2: you're aware of
5: Um, Great question. Oh, it is. And you've got me there. I mean, I've been with Cancer Council (laughs) 10 years. And yes, I I think we've definitely got up around the 15, 17 years. Um, I'd have to do some research, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we certainly have our regulars. It's it's like a family walking around the track for me, calling into everyone's tent and and seeing everyone again. It's gorgeous. Yeah, you
2: know, we need to find out if there's Mm. someone that's done all 22. And we need to celebrate that Uh, as as sad as it is and every single one of us here has been touched by cancer is it also one of the most uplifting days of the year for you and your team
5: yeah, it certainly is, and and I think you know even as a staff member we we resonate with the emotion and and the passion of of the people that come along and the volunteers that organise the committee. We work with a big group of volunteers for around six months of the year to get this up and running, and and yeah, as a staff member it, uh, it's very uplifting and very it's a lot of pride in it. I, I suppose I mean I do have a personal connection as well, um, and you know sometimes it's hard, but it, it's You feel very connected to your community, I think, for the event. Yeah, it's great. So it
3: doesn't it become a bit of a, a carnival atmosphere, like this afternoon when people go and you know, the people go and have a walk and come off for a while and mix with other people and then go out and have another bit of a walk. And...
5: Absolutely. So you'll see a lot of the a lot of the tents around the track with their teams will set up fundraising. So there might be cupcakes on sale or raffles or lucky dips or all sorts of activities. We've got the stormtroopers coming. We've got the reptile show coming. So there is. There's a lot of atmosphere. It's not just people walking. Um, you you know, the kids' tent—they have a box car rally, which they all make. Um, so it is a very, I suppose, fate community-oriented um, event, and that's the purpose of it. We want a fun, family-safe event. Um, and then, yeah, people just hang out in their tents and and visit each other, and it's it's really it's really a unique experience, I must say. Yeah.
2: Is there anyone else you want to thank and uh, congratulations? Like a standing ovation for Mingara <laughs> thank for- you. All the work they've done over the years, as well. Oh,
5: absolutely. I mean, I I came from Mingara as an employee to work for Cancer Council, so I had in I had investment in Relay before that, and their support is incredible. We we cannot do what we do without. Um, people like Mingara supporting us through their club grant program and and even their team there's a strong team coming today um, from Mingara one so it's just great to see you know the involvement
2: you might not be able to answer this uh Dave Burns said he's almost 72 and he'll be setting a cracking pace like he's a a world-class runner in his day who will be the oldest here today
5: Ooh, that's yeah. a good Your question. Your people come back to our people. I think so. You've got a lot of curly ones there. <laughs> have to check their date of births on the registration. Uh, yeah. But um, a lot of people come with, you know, their carers as well because obviously that's an important part of... Um, cancer the cancer journey is having really strong carers around you so we do celebrate them with the with the survivors which is in a beautiful marquee and they have a beautiful afternoon tea by the CWA ladies which that just spells sponge cakes right there
2: yeah yeah I'll need to run 10k (laughs)
5: loved
2: uh, loved having you on the air
5: thank you thanks for coming along it's great and
2: you know who's coming on at 10 the great Janie Maloney she'll be in the house
5: she's my tag team yeah all right my soul sister, that one. Yeah. Okay. We're,
2: we're off to the news. We'll talk some A-League and also World Cup and also Matildas in a few moments' time. Mariner's legend Adam Kwasnick is next on Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit BJhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. We're live at Mingara. Thanks again to Sarah Russell for joining us. Thanks to Dave Burns, our first guest. By the way, if you missed anyone today, we have the Catch Up podcast. A little later in the day, Adam Staples back at headquarters. He'll isolate all of these interviews and you can listen to them individually if you like or you can listen to the entire show. And we do it thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Now, I mentioned someone there, someone you know well, who can be easily phased on the golf course celebrated a milestone this week Dan Bosley yeah I'll tell you I'll tell you more about Dan Bosley pretty much there from the moment he walked out of university and he's been there ever since and uh absolute legend congratulations by the way next week we're just trying to join the dots on this but we might be broadcasting live from their open day at West track nice yeah nice. so that's a really great opportunity if you want to enter the industry and you'll get a chance to operate some machinery while you're
3: there. Yeah, look, it's fantastic. I everyone's been past the, the big building they've got there. But we mentioned last week, you know, working for Robson's, how good would that be? Yeah.
2: Does yeah. that mean steve gets behind the wheel of a monster truck? I would highly probably doubt it, steve eh? just quietly. <laughs> hey, uh, let's talk some football. And uh, I've got to say, last night I watched a lot of... The... This is the original rivalry, isn't it? It was a cracker of a game, and it's produced over the years. It was uh, Melbourne victory against Adelaide. Adelaide winners 3-0. Adam Kwasnick joins us, Mariners legend. Quaz, good morning, mate. Did you catch that game? And over the years, it's always delivered.
6: Yeah, good morning, guys. Um Happy to be on again. It's been a while, so um, yeah, happy to be back on again. But uh, <laughs> the original rivalry—what a, you know, what a game that was. The atmosphere uh, at Cooper Stadium was outstanding, and um, it did deliver, especially for Adelaide United fans. Um, Melbourne victory—I thought were a bit off last night, um, and, and then and they got they got hammered in the end. Uh, but just a fantastic spectacle, and um, yeah, it was deserved winners to Adelaide United.
2: Yeah, look, uh, we we probably should address the elephant in the room. Like, is Brad Porter now known to you as White Hand? <laughs> Mate, no, look, I think
6: Brad's got a lot to offer, but I'm just a little bit sour about the whole process of how it went. There was no communication with my people whatsoever. They've just, you've just gone and contacted him, and to be fair, he's done an amazing <clears throat> job apart from a few segments you guys have done. But um, Yeah, no, very happy to be back on and, uh, yeah, happy to deliver a football program uh, in a proper way this
2: morning. Uh, I tell you, he is full of self-confidence, Brad Porter. He is, uh, He's
6: the real deal.
2: (laughs) I don't know whether it's tickets on himself, but, yeah, he does rate himself. (laughs) Uh, He speaks a lot of sense, Brad. He's uh, very, very good at what he does, that's for sure. Hey, uh, last night, the first goal I thought was absolutely brilliant, Uh, and it was Ibisuki who scored in the 37th minute. Just what the game needed at that time, but some of the delivery from wide areas from Adelaide, and Goodwin, you know, he scored a penalty, but his delivery, I think it was for Warland in stoppage time, that's what we want to see at the World Cup. I mean, that was world-class delivery. Do you agree?
6: Absolutely and, and Goodwin in the mm-hmm. first half, Steve, he was on the opposite side, so we had to cut back onto his left foot, which you know, he's not on his natural side, but um yeah, the the delivery from him and, and Halloran and the likes was, you know, outstanding last night. And the first goal from Ibisuki was uh world class. Um Diagostino D'Ag- scored one first game of the season. Um not, not you know, not too dissimilar to the Ibisuki goal last night. Um just a fantastic header. Uh, but it all comes from the delivery. It had everything on it, and uh, Ibasuki made the most of it and put it up in the top corner.
2: Yeah, I think Kiddo was the player that put the cross in, and he got player of the match last night. Uh, let's talk about the Mariners, because I caught up with Nick Montgomery yesterday, and really it's one of the greatest weeks in the history of the club with the players announced in the World Cup squad.
6: Yeah, just fantastic. Three players. Um, you know, on the biggest stage in, in, in world football, just fantastic to see. And credit to all three players, um, you know, Garang, Danny and obviously Jason. They've, uh, they've done the business obviously, you know, over the years, but, you know, more so for the Mariners in the first half of it, or first little bit of this season. They've, um, they've stood up when they needed to to help their team and, and it's warranted World Cup selection and uh, can't wait to see him on the world's biggest stage.
3: Uh, yeah, go, Adam Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. I think it speaks a lot about the Mariners' culture. when I think Nick Montgomery said during the week that when Garang got it named in the Socceroos squad, it was like his own son had been selected in the in the team. So, yeah, I think it's it's that culture. I think that that really makes the Mariners a team that the players want to play for.
6: Absolutely, and you, you talk about opportunity as well. You know, you you, you bank on saying that Garang maybe. May have never got a, an opportunity at any other A-League club, but you know Nick Montgomery believed in him, and and the club's built on giving young players an opportunity. and Green took it, and from there he's just grown and grown, and now he's going to be a part of you know the national team on on the world's biggest stage. So it's fantastic to see. Danny's another one. Again, when he first started, he had John Crawley in front of him, but John Crawley unfortunately got injured. Um, and then Danny got given an opportunity through Laurie McKinna And again, same thing. He's gone on to bigger and better things. He's come back um, in the final couple of years of his, of his career. And, um, you know, he's warranted selection as well. So the club's built on giving players a, an opportunity and building that culture where, you know, you, you, can, you can trust a young player to go out there and deliver. And those young players have shined. And, and Green's a classic example of that. Adam, overall, what did you make of the World Cup squad? Yeah, look, there's some interesting selections. But I think, you know, if you look at the squad on paper, I think Graham Arnold has chosen a lot of players that he believes are going to, you know, really roll up their sleeves and work hard for the the jersey. Um, You you think about our opposition, I think, let's be honest, I don't think we're going to touch the ball that much. What we need is, you know, a bit of hunger, a bit of fight. Mm. And I think he's selected players off the back of that. I think players are going to really buy into his defensive structure, and really roll up their sleeves. And if the moment comes where we do have a bit of possession and there is a chance, we've got someone like Jason Cummings or a Jamie McLaren that can put the ball in the back of the net. So I think the squad's based on, you know, desire, hunger and fight. Um, and, and it's sprinkled with a little bit of, you know, technical quality as well. So can't wait to
2: see how it all unfolds. Look, I think the big omission is no Tommy Rogic. What are your thoughts there? Mm. Look, you
6: know, you can dig as much as you want, Steve. It could, it, it could be, you know, an issue from a personal sense, but he hasn't played for a while. Tommy's the type of player. I won't say he's a luxury player, but you know, he he, he, he does things in games that um, there's a there's a high high rate of you know possession loss, and I guess Graham Arnold's looked at that, and you can't you can't have that up against, say, for instance, a France or a Denmark. You need players that. You, you, you want to have, you know, players that uh, express themselves, and, and Tommy does that, but there's a high rate of possession loss. And I, I felt like, yeah, Tommy wouldn't be one of those players that you're going to bank on keeping the ball against a France all that much. Even though he tries things and he's a jack out of the box, he just gives away the ball too much. And as harsh as that sounds, I think that's, you know, warranted his, you know him not getting selected for this World Cup.
2: By the way, uh, Channel 10 have put together this program, Access All Areas. Runs about 20 yep. minutes, and they've done numerous clubs. We've spoken about the Brisbane Roar, and that was unbelievable what happened <laughs> in their change room. But yep. they've, done it for the, they've done it for the Mariners, and a lot of people were talking to me about it yesterday, and pretty much the focus is on Garang Qual and I just thought it was absolutely outstanding and really interesting to the emotions that Nick Montgomery goes through during a game because they really focused on the game against Western United. So the champions yep. came to town. They led 2-0. They get a red card with Nikolai Topol or Stanley. But the Mariners also have goals disallowed. And at half time, like, oh, the inside is magnificent. If you get the chance, go and take a look. It's called Access All Areas. This one, I think, is called Sky's the Limit. And it's all about Garang Kual. quaz have you seen it? Yeah, mate, fantastic. Oh,
6: the, the access that, that the cameras have to get in and, and obviously... Um, The microphones, you know, with with Monty and and Garang himself, just a fantastic insight for for fans that, you know, let's be honest, wouldn't get even close to a change room or a sideline, you know, nine times out of ten. So, uh, you know, fantastic. The one this week uh, with the Jets, you know, they got absolutely hammered against, um, you know, um, Melbourne Victory, I think it was. And then, you know, the, the response from Arthur Pappas, the response from the fans, um, it's just a fantastic insight to, to being a pro and being a coach as well. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully we we'll see a lot, a lot more of it in the near future.
2: Hey Quaz, are you able to stay? Uh, we just need to take a quick commercial break here. Are you able to come back on the on the other side,
6: mate? Can I just speak to my people quickly? I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I'm all good, mate. Yeah, you, sh- you should know that Brad Porter has—he hasn't been invited back for a second segment, has he? Like, for a part two? He has, mate. Let's be honest. I haven't been on for months. What have you been doing without
3: (laughs) me? Brad's not on the other line, is he?
2: (laughs) This is uh, Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, our feature guest in the first hour. We're talking to Adam Kwasnick, Mariners legend. Don't forget, 10.30 this morning, Nerida Stewart will talk Australian men's netball. And, yeah, she's got plans to go to the 2032 Olympic Games with men's netball. Uh, Congratulations to her. That's been one of the great... I guess one of the great sports, emerging sports, this year, without a doubt. I you could probably argue that
3: as close as six months ago, no one knew about men's netball, let alone Australians <laughs> men's netball. And now they're on, you know, on live TV, free to air TV. Yeah, you know, we're, we're talking twenties, under twenty threes, opens, fast fives. They're right in it now, and, and Nera's is a big part of that.
2: Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, this is Saturdays on the Coast. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. You can start your beautiful, luxurious, new dream home today with McDonald Jones Homes. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
1: Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit RobsonCivilProjects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit BJHowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, good morning. Welcome back live to Mingara, the Cancer Council Relay for Life. And the gates open here at midday. Everything's in readiness. All we need now is 700 people, Gary Birkinshaw.
3: It's like the lull before the storm, Steve, here. It's just everything looks set up. We've got the organised outage, having a bit of a chat, and I think it's all geared up for what will be another sensational event.
2: They could not ask for a better day. Absolutely oh. picture perfect. Uh, there'll be a special ceremony at three, and then the action is underway, and everybody raising money for a sensational cause. Mick Morley has just joined us, a.k.a. the Bald Badger is in the house. He might want to grab a microphone because we're about to go back live to Adam Kwasnick, Mariner's legend, and uh, Quaz. Can we talk... We mentioned about Western United, the comeback from 2-0 down and four amazing goals. And then what about last week against Western Sydney? So, 3-0 win. Mariners now chasing three in a row. But last week, a couple of the most beautifully constructed goals I've seen from the Mariners. Michael Roos with a brace in the 66th and 72nd minute. And Sammy Silvera, geez, another fantastic goal from him in the 81st.
6: Absolutely, Steve. I think there's been... Some wonderful goals, um, from the Mariners boys this season, but, you know, to match that, some of the performances have been exhilarating. I think last week, um, you know, people asking them the question, was it the fact that the Mariners were, were that good or was it a fact that, you know, Western Sydney were that bad? But, you know, for me, the Mariners were absolutely on fire last week against the Western Sydney Wanderers. And at half time, I was, I was a little bit worried because they did everything but score. Um, and by the, then in the second half, they really, really turned the screw and, And they were, you know, warranted three well-taken goals. Obviously, a couple subs off the bench making an impact as well. But the overall performance of the team the last few weeks has been fantastic. And it's a shame that we're going to go into a World Cup break because there's that momentum, especially if they win tomorrow, three in the spin against MacArthur. Um, You know, it could sort of stutter that momentum. But that being said, Nick Montgomery knows how to get the best out of his players. Um, And hopefully he can do that tomorrow afternoon and then have a little bit of a break. Uh, you know, but hit the ground running again after the World Cup. So,
3: Adam, seven goals in the last game and a half for the Mariners. What's what's been the, the difference in the side in, in the forward third to actually get the ball in the back of the net?
6: Yeah, I think there's a lot of belief. Even though you have got a lot, a lot of young players up there, I think there's you know a fair bit of belief that they can you know hit the back of the net at, at any given time. Um, I, I, I like the way Monty set set his team up. He's sort of playing with you know a lot of attacking players. Um, you know, with two two number tens and two number nines, essentially that's that's four plays in the box when the ball's, you know, coming for, from uh, you know, Jacob Farrell in a wide area I think, you know, that's uh, it's, it's very attacking minded does it leave us, you know, a little bit vulnerable defensively? Yeah, you saw that against Western United, you have all the possession in the front third and then they just sort of catch you on the break, but um, I, I just love the way he set the players up and I mentioned belief, you know Jason Cummings, red hot form um, I like Tulio, Marco Tulio I think he's got a lot of flair and he's not going to be far away from banging in a few goals either so a lot of confidence and belief from those young boys but the structure in which they're playing in that front third is a, a real joy to watch.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you who else I like and uh, he's one of ten children. I caught up with him yesterday so he's in the back four he's 19 years old, captain of the young roos. We could have somebody else rolling off the assembly line and that's Nectar Triantis. What a great story he is. He wouldn't have got to go anywhere else. He was at the Wanderers and they never gave him a chance. Hey, do you recognise, Quaz, do you recognise this voice?
7: How are you, Quaz? Did you pull up all right yesterday and did you think I was the best player on the field? <laughs>
6: Mick, mate, you were right <laughs> up there, mate. i tell you what, the ball didn't really, you had to be pinpoint to you because you can't move that well. But you were fantastic when you had the ball at your feet, mate. It was a joy to play with you.
7: Thanks, mate. I appreciate it coming from a bloke like you. Yes. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> I have to agree with uh, Steve. O. Triantis was great. And um, it, there's a couple of new blokes that have come along and have really stepped up, haven't they? I think Nick Nick shows the faith in them, and, and they normally deliver, don't they, Quas. Absolutely.
6: You know, you mentioned Triantis. I think, you know, arguably being, you know, the best player in the park the last couple of weeks, when I first saw him play, I sort of, I was not worried in possession. He's, he's so comfortable, so great. I was just worried, you know, a little bit without the ball. But he's really stood up. He's really taken his game to another level, both with and without the ball. And as I mentioned, the last two games, I've, I think he's been the mainstay for, for the team at the back there. And, um, you know, he's going to hold his spot. Um, someone like Dan Hall just can't, can't get a sniff at the moment. And it's due to Triantus playing so well. And obviously, Danny Vukovic would be helping him along the way, sort of marshalling him. Along that back line, it's it's just real positive signs for the Mariners, and I'm you know people keep asking where, where do you think they're going to end up this season? I tip them to come fourth, but the way they're playing um, early on this season, who, who's who's to say that they can't win the league or you know even make a, a grand final?
2: Yeah, Quaz, we need to leave it there. We're getting the wind up from our producer, but a great return to the show, outstanding, and you put Thanks. some real pressure on Brad Porter. <laughs> 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 Thanks
6: mate. Thanks for having me. Just you know, you got my number, Steve. Don't be ashamed to dial it uh, occasionally, mate. I'm I'm always here on the coast for you.
2: Yeah, and Quaz is calling the derby tonight, the Sydney Derby, which should be a cracker. We're off to the news. We've got to go to the news. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEA.
1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ, BJ Howes Metal, Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome, Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, good morning. hope you're enjoying the weekend. Welcome back live to Mingara. The Cancer Council Relay for Life gets underway. Well, the gates open at midday. Uh, Steve Allen here, Gary and Shaw, the guru, the world's best administrator with us. Butes is over. He's in New Zealand at the moment. And last week, of course, he was at the Oztag Australian Championships. Can you believe we've gone an hour? We haven't mentioned about the Aussies and the narrow win against the Kiwis in the Rugby League World Cup overnight. In fact, they were down at halftime just the one try in the second half. We get home 16-14. Let's go back to Adam Staples in the studio this is one of the greatest moments of the Rugby League World Cup. The Fox scoring for Australia. Clearing, Hunt, Bomb. The Fox is on the run. Hey. Yeah, we all love the Fox and the Aussies through to the final of the Rugby League World Cup. They will play the winners of Samoa versus England. Boys, did any of us catch Samoa versus Tonga? 20 points to 18 last weekend.
3: No, unfortunately, Steve, I didn't catch it, read a lot about it. Uh, certainly, you just can't match the passion of those two, two nations. And they, I think we might have spoke about it last week, is that it's, it's a greater spectacle before the game, As it is during the game Even though it was a cracking game But just the spectacle beforehand And the show they put on You know, in the pre-match Is just unbelievable
2: Yeah, Gary Let's move into your lane now We'll maybe talk more about this As the show unfolds But uh, the T20 So we've got our finalists Pakistan up against England You are looking like Nostradamus Because last week on the show You said England will win the whole lot And what about their openers?
3: Yeah, I I did say that, and one of the the reasons I did mention that, Steve, was because of the openers. I don't think there's another side in the whole tournament who's got as explosive openers as England has with Josh Butler and Alex Hales, and they went off the other night. Probably the first time this tournament, they actually have done it um, uh, both. They've all had their individual moments, but both of them the other day, and they were just so destructive, and England put up a, a... score of 168, but they just paled in significance of, of England uh, who, who dominated, and they'll be very hard to beat against Pakistan, who ironically, it's funny, they've made it through to the final on the back of getting into the semi-finals, relying on the Netherlands to beat South Africa. So <laughs> yeah. I, reckon, I reckon they would have been at the airport, waiting for their flight home, when that game between Netherlands and South Africa was taking place. And here they are. New Zealand's probably their the, the probably most underwhelming performance of the tournament, I would, would say. Um, just didn't get enough runs. And Pakistan, once again, their openers, and Barbara's Arm and, and Rizwan, they just really set the tone there again and, um, and and dominated from the beginning. For
2: for England, is that the best opening partnership we've seen in T20? So, Butler makes 80 off 49, 9-4s, 3-6s. Hales not out as well, 86 off 47, 4-4s, four 7-6s. And... It's no contest.
3: Yeah, it is, a, it is a T20 World Cup record, I believe, a partnership of 170, and and just that they did it so easy. That was they had no answers whatsoever. India, yeah, you know, probably what it, it did show. Um, it, a bit like Australia in a sense is that their bowling attack was just same same. They didn't have they didn't have the wrist spinner. They didn't didn't have the express pace there as well. Um, and England just just really
2: feasted on it. Imagine if we had Pakistan India at the MCG, but. It'll still be a bumper crowd tomorrow. Is it a sellout? Oh, it'd be close to a sellout.
3: I would have thought. But the interesting part is, Steve, is I don't think you would have got the same atmosphere for India Pakistan as you would have got in on the opening opening round. Because being a World Cup final, like any other major event around the world, is there's a lot of corporate tickets. A lot of people buy to go to the event. While well, the game will actually played in the round, you're actually either India or Pakistan. You're going there to support that, and probably half the crowd still would have been that. But you wouldn't have the same. The same numbers
2: You're not happy Uh, I don't know whether you want to get on that soapbox That's about five metres away from us But you're not happy about some of the comments By a few of the Aussies After we went out of the tournament
3: Yeah, look I just I thought Australia were underwhelming Throughout the whole tournament I don't think they ever really got into the tournament I'm not even sure they even bought into the tournament Yeah, they they talk about Before the tournament even started That we've got fatigue Now, yep, they had a bit of a A build-up was quite it was quite tight and they travelled around a bit, but keep in mind before that they hardly played any cricket at all. They had a big break, some went off to the IPL. But when Glenn Maxwell comes out and says, Oh well we lost the T twenty World Cup, it doesn't mean that much. We've got another we've got another game in against England. I think we've got a, a fifty over game in next week. And you know, looking back when our career's over, it might be that yeah it might have been good to win that, but realistically it doesn't really matter. And I think that's just resonating. And I was it's a, on this same show during the week, I was listening to Talkback Radio, and I don't think that the Australian cricketers are on the nose as much as, with the public as what they are now.
7: Hmm. Do you do you think, honestly, so basically you don't think they really took us serious, didn't...
3: Yeah. I don't think yeah. ever take T20 cricket seriously. and even when we won it, like we were defending <laughs> champions, and no one's no one's won it two years in a row, and no one's won it at home. But we were ranked number five in the world when we won it over in um, in Dubai. We were yeah. we were number five, so we don't, we've never really engaged in T20 cricket. We probably play less T20 cricket than probably most other nation. Probably South Africa probably the only other nation that plays less T20 cricket than what we do. So, w-
7: yeah. what? Sorry, Simo, what what's your take? Do you do you like it, Gary? The T20. Um, I know, um, I've got an opinion,
3: but um, I'm a traditionalist. I'll wait to see. <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist, uh, Mick. But uh, but yeah, T20's got it, got its moment. And, mm. and I, I don't know if I said it last week, Steve, but moving, it might have been off the air. I said, moving forward, <laughs> is that T20 cricket is going to take over <laughs> cricket in the world? But it won't be national T20 cricket. It'll be franchise T20 cricket. The Indian IPL, they will actually contract players. They won't, And they'll need to be released to play for their test matches for Australia, or one-day cricket, or T20 for Australia. But these franchises will actually start dominating it, world cricket. It,
2: it's funny, though, boys. I've actually enjoyed this more than I've ever enjoyed a big bash because I'm cheering for my nation. Mm. And, and I've loved watching some of these minnows in action where we've seen players that we've never heard of that are phenomenal. But, but we need to excuse my fruity language, but it sounds like a bit of a piss-poor attitude yeah, from so, the Aussies.
3: But, I, but I'll, I'll ask you, Stephen. So were you supporting your team... Or were you supporting the minnows and, and the other teams who are have, coming and having a red hot game? Yeah. If you look at the crowd attendances that support that went to Australia's games, yeah, they were they were poor. Yeah, for, for, I,
2: but everyone—it's a good point you raised because was there part of me that was loving that Afghanistan was taking it up to you know some of the juggernauts? Absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that's probably the Aussie way. We do support the underdog. We need to get to our next guest. She's been waiting patiently on the line, and she is one of my heroes. You'd know her, Mick Morley. <laughs> Uh, This young lady, formerly known as Kate McNamara, now the amazing athlete known as Kate Broadhurst. Good morning. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast.
8: Good morning, Steve. It's great
2: to be here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So nice to have you on the show. And you're on to talk about the Toowoomba Ocean Swim, which is coming up in two weeks' time. Uh, Could you just tell us a little bit about this amazing event that's been running for well over a decade?
8: Yeah, so the the swim was originally started um, by Toon Bay Surf Club in conjunction with the Entrance Amateur Swimming Club. And I think Toon Bay are are taking on most of the duties at the moment. But it's just a really great community swim. So it's been running, like you said, for over a decade now. And, you know, unfortunately, we've missed a couple of years because of COVID. And um, we're just so excited that it's back on again. And, you know, we'll be back on the beach in a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you've done every one of those swims. And there's been some very famous Previous winners? Could you tell us more about that?
8: Yeah, I mean, it, we always get a good crowd to the swim, and, and we've had people like Brad Woodward and um, Jimmy Kosh, who are you know local boys that are doing great things on the world stage in swimming at the moment. We get groups from all over. I think that's the great thing is that we have people from you know Commonwealth Games athletes all the way through to just you know mums and dads having a go. We get groups from regional New South Wales. We have you know swimming groups from Dubbo and places like that that come to do the swim. So. But just because it's such a lovely place to swim, and I'm sitting here actually right now, we've just finished niffer down there. But um, it's, it's absolutely beautiful down here today. Sun's shining, the water's beautiful. So, And, and that's the reason why so many people love coming
2: to Roombay to do this Yeah, and one of the reasons you're on the show, apart from the fact that you're a multiple Australian gold medalist in ski paddling, in boat rowing, uh, you're also on the show because there's a swim named after your dad. Uh, can you tell us more, Kate?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So mum and dad, both life members at the entrance to swimming club. um, And so they were, you know, part of the organising committee that got this swim going. And dad loved being a referee and started down at the swim for many years. So unfortunately he passed away in 2012 and they made the decision to name the 400 metre after him. They actually made the decision to name the one kilometre after him, but because we wanted to do it in honour of that each year, you know, the family got together and said, maybe that might be a little bit too far for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) So it ended up being the 400, which I'm pretty happy about now, now that I don't do a hell of a lot of swimming. But, um, you know, it's it's a really special day for our family. Usually I swim it with mum now that I'm not so competitive in the swimming. And for the first time this year, actually, my son, Grayson, who's nine, is old enough to do it. So, you know, we'll be doing it as a family together.
2: Hey, just before Gary asks the next question, Mick, you'd know Kate's family. You would have known them for decades, uh, just legends in our local community.
7: Yeah, the same thing, the, the, the entrance names, you know, and especially with that the surf club. And as you know, my uh, young bloke was involved in both surf clubs at the entrance and north entrance in the time. So uh, it's a fantastic thing to honour, isn't it? And, and you, co- you couldn't get a better spot, I don't think, to do that sort of ocean swim On a perfect day at Toon Bay, it's one of the best places in the world, mate. Eh?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the eighth wonder of the world. I've got it right up there on a pedestal alongside Palm Beach Kurumban. Uh Let's go to the guru. Yeah, Kate, Gary Birkinshaw here. Uh, Kate, so it sounds like a wonderful event. How many people are you expecting
3: to, to go to swim? And what are the distances that are available? What options do they have to swim?
8: I'm not entirely sure about uh, the numbers yet. So I talked to Greg Owen, who's one of the organisers of the swim this morning, and he said they've had a lot of interest, actually. They can track the numbers of people that are looking at the swim on the Ocean Swim website. But there's been a lot of people, you know, having a look this year. So registrations are open now. People can register now or they can register on the day. Registration's open on the morning at 7am. So the distances, we've got the 400 metre, which is the Johnny Max swim, named after my dad. Um, And then we've got a one kilometre and a two kilometre. And some people, I know I did back in the day when I actually could swim that far, sometimes people enter all three distances,
2: so they're spaced enough that you could actually do all three of them if you wanted to, or pick the one that's the right distance for you. Yeah, yeah, it is impressive. Uh, Kate, um, uh, I've got some questions about the Ocean Swimming Calendar, because this week the Cole Classic opened up, and there's early bird specials, so... A lot of people might not know, but there's a whole swimming series around New South Wales. In fact, there's one on the coast next week, and this is for a great cause as well. Take three, that's down at your minor, is that correct? So, yeah, take
8: three from at your minor coming up, I think,
2: probably no more than me, um, next weekend. And I think we've got the Cold Classic that's coming up in the next month or so as well, which are all good ocean do. Yeah, Cold Classic's next February. How about your uh, crack Avoca boat crew? What's happening in 2023 for you guys?
8: Uh, well, we're on again, actually. We've got our first big one next weekend. So we've got the Ocean Thunder um, next weekend. So we race there um, for Riley & Sons or Riverina um, Milk this year. Um, so we're really looking forward to it, actually. So last few years, like all sports, COVID's kind of hit us hard and, you know, you don't really know how much racing you're going to get to do. And at our age, we you know, we want to get it all in while we still can. So, yeah, we're absolutely pumped for that next weekend. Can't wait.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kate, can you tell our listeners more about your crew? Because it's a crew that dates back over 20 years. Is that correct?
8: Yeah, so um, different variations of the crew have been, you know, the girls have been rowing for a long time. I sort of came in when I finished the Iron Woman stuff in about 2007, but... I think the girls won their first Aussie title maybe 2005. They also won 2006. We got second in 2007. So we've been doing it for a really long time. Had a bit of a break with my kids, but, you know, we just absolutely love it. And, you know, we're so, you know, I'm so grateful that we're still able to do it. You know, we're pushing into our 40s now and we're still competitive. So, you know, it's just really good to still be there.
2: Yeah. And Mick, you've been in Surf Life Saving like I have your whole life and, You can't underestimate what Kate's done making a transition from a ski paddler where she wins the Australian title, Iron Woman racing, then jumping in a boat crew.
7: Oh, I I did a a few... uh... A, a few seasons in a boat, mate, and oh, seriously, I mean, that was at Twoon Bay,
2: and... Uh, You're
7: not going to swear, are you? Oh, no, oh, mate, <laughs> I, I can actually tell you, a little claim, to my claim to fame, one of my sweeps was the the big Darrell Lake back in the day, believe it or not, <laughs> so, uh, but I just remember we went round to North Shelley, and because uh, and we were a Twoon Bay crew, <laughs> and ways weren't really something we hadn't used to, and <laughs> we went round to North Shelley, and it was only a small day, and we, we cracked one out the back of North Shelley, and then it looks like it was going pear-shaped, and... God rest his soul, Big Daz just jumped off the back and left us to our own. So, uh, look, you can, you can have the boats because I reckon you are M-A-D. Yeah. How does uh, an
2: <laughs> interview with Kate Broadhurst become about you and Big Daryl Eastlake? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, it's always about you. Uh, hey, uh, but actually, raises a good point, Kate. They're, they're kind of wired differently, these sweeps, aren't they? And you've had some interesting ones <laughs> at Avoka. Yeah. <laughs>
8: We have, and and it's interesting enough that, you know, all of the good sweeps generally were ski paddlers. So we're back. We've got Dickie Bridie back sweeping for us again this year, who was a fabulous ski paddler himself and just, you know, an all-round waterman. So, uh, you know, I'm feeling very safe with him at the back. But, yes... um, It's very different to come from skis where you make your own decisions about which waves you're going to take to, you know, going backwards through the waves and just trusting that, you know, somebody else has got your back. So, you know, it's a a bit of a learning process to trust someone else. But, you know, we all trust each other fully and, uh, you know, rowing with each other for so long, we all know it. We pretty much can guess what each other's going to do now. Hey,
2: by by the way... By the way, Kate, a lot of our listeners may not know, but a few years ago you were named Citizen of the Year on the Central Coast. Is, is that correct? And can you elaborate on some of the reasons why?
8: Yeah, you dredged that one up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a couple of years ago, um, you know, in Australia, I was um, given that honour, which is, you know, it was really special to be named Citizen of the Year for the Central Coast because, you know, there's so many great people on the Central Coast doing lots of awesome things. Uh, the reason I got the award was that I started a program up at Avoka Surf Club, um, an inclusive nipple program. So we realised there was a bit of a gap where we were, where we weren't supporting kids with disabilities and with additional needs for whatever reason. Um, within our mainstream of program, so we decided to start up a program at Avocar, which went gangbusters, and we've now got them at seven clubs across the coast. So, you know, it's a really positive thing, and um, it's probably one of the most rewarding things that I've been involved with in Surf Life Savings.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're far too humble. Uh, I think that deserves a standing O here at the sports show. We're all rising as one. Hey, uh, by the way, can you can we move a motion that we do our sports show from the Toowoomba Swim? Is that possible? Can you sign off on that this morning? Yeah,
8: I've got absolutely no authority,
2: but I'll sign off on it now. Do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Kate Broadhurst slash McNamara, thanks so much for joining us on the sports show.
8: No worries.
2: Thanks, guys. Yeah, the Tewoo Bay Ocean Swim coming up in a couple of weeks. And if you're down on the peninsula, you might want to do the Take 3, which is not another great swim. And that Cold Classic is in February in Sydney. There's early bird specials. Also, a swim that I'm pretty keen to do is the one at Coogee, where you can swim around the island. So mm-hmm. that's coming up at the end of the month.
3: Well, you and Sharon have ended, haven't you? you entered the Cold Classic?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. What, yeah. what distance are you doing?
2: Uh, so I'll do the 2K. And Sharon will do the one K. Yeah. She she likes the dash for cash. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I've never done the Cold Classic so T look, twenty looking forward test to test cricket uh, yes T twenty test cricket that type of thing we said okay. about cricket
7: earlier yeah hey, uh. I'm surprised Steve has not done the dash for cash just quietly
2: <laughs> we uh, look who's entered look who's entered the house royalty is here wow look Jane- at this Janie Maloney's here we'll go to her in just a few moments this is Saturdays on the coast thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes on SEN
1: Robson Civil with over sixty years of leading civil constructions experience visit robsoncivilprojects.com to BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradie's choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit BJHowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: And we're live from Ingara Track. It's the Cancer Council Relay for Life, the 22nd annual event, although maybe I'm wrong saying annual because we did miss a couple of years during the pandemic, but, gee, it's so fantastic that it's back. We've had Dave Burns join us. So he's running in memory of his son Aaron. So... 34 kilometers and that's a kilometer for every year of his life and dave he's a former world-class runner so he told us in the first hour he's actually going for it he's going to try to run 34 kilometers in four hours which is unbelievable and he'll have huge support here from Terrigal trotters sarah russell joined us that was beautiful in our first hour And now someone special has walked in. Uh, Mick Morley, could you give her some kind of beautiful introduction to the show?
7: I just wish we had a video, mate. She's absolutely beaming. She looks fantastic. And she's the face and the voice of Central Coast uh, Cancer Council. And she's magnificent. She's Janie.
2: Yeah, Janie Maloney. Great to have you on the show. Thanks,
9: guys. It's a nice welcome from Mr. Morley. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, maybe a leopard can change its spots. (laughs) So, uh, looking forward to the day. Uh, As Sarah said, things get underway. Gates open at 12. And then you just told us about 3 o'clock. So, what happens and is it mostly... Well, I'll get you to tell the story at 3.
9: So, at 3 o'clock, we have the opening ceremony. um, And after that, the first lap of the relay uh, starts and that is just for survivors and carers. So, um, we kind of everyone stands around and claps them around for their first lap, which is really beautiful. And as I was saying to you earlier, the impact of just seeing how many people um, have faced cancer or have been impacted by cancer is really, really, um, you know, it's it's quite jaw-dropping, to be honest. So, But it's a really quite quite a beautiful moment lots of support from everybody and then after the first lap everybody joins in and follows along and keeps on going keep on going for the next 18 hours
2: yeah so we've heard about the mantra uh, about what it all stands for can you just uh, if people missed our first hour can you tell us more about that
9: so basically um, it's that cancer doesn't stop so neither do we so everybody just walks um, you know for those 18 hours um, all through the night it's really quite beautiful um, and it's for people of all ages or you know some people just sit there and watch it all go by just to be a part of it some people run some people walk some people tag team with their with their teammates um so it's really just whatever you want to do but i think the the connection within the community is just really beautiful it's a really beautiful event
2: i wonder if you can answer this question so mick morley in all seriousness has been an amazing fundraiser for the cancer council Uh, He is. Yeah.
9: Continues to be, yes.
2: What about with this event? Have there been some huge contributors?
9: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the fundraising's at about $80,000 at the moment, which is just incredible, uh, especially given that, you know, we've had a couple of years off with COVID and lost a bit of momentum. But this event is just so strong, I think, because you know one in two people will be impacted by cancer by the time they're 85 so you know it it really does affect everybody and I think um you know it's got um it's just something that everybody's you know, really committed to, which is wonderful.
2: Yeah, Cheney, we didn't ask Sarah this, but where will the money go? Uh, Where will it funnel into?
9: So um, Cancer Council is the only cancer charity that works across all cancers. So obviously we put a lot of, I think it's about $18 million in New South Wales uh, into research every year um, across all cancers. So obviously there's some really underfunded cancers um, that we need to do some research into. We also have an amazing array of local services here. Um, So things like home help. Um, you know, mowing people's lawns and cleaning houses and things that, um, that real practical support that you really feel when you're, you know, not able to work or and you, your partner's not working because they're caring for you and that type of thing. Um, yeah, and um, information and support, you know, we have lots of um, resources for people that are affected by cancer. So it all stays here on the community, which is really important as well. So um, we're just located at Erin Fair. So we're right here in the community to help people with to make sure they you know nobody faces a cancer diagnosis alone
2: yeah Relay for Life is worldwide we found that out this morning where else is it being held around Australia today
9: well no I I don't think there's any today uh there's a few uh in the next couple of weeks but yeah all around the state um basically and the country um and as I said because we've had a couple of years off it's just magnificent and I woke up this morning and saw this beautiful day and thought let's go
2: yeah magical
3: yeah, the research I did during the week, they, they're saying it's the largest fundraiser for cancer worldwide. There's 20 countries to do it, and they reckon 4 million people have participated in the Relay for Life.
9: It's amazing, isn't it? It really is. And I mean, as I said before,
3: I think it's quite confusing because of its name.
9: Really, a lot of people go, "Oh, I don't run," but yeah, you can you can walk, you can tag team, you can sit in a chair under your tent and just watch the world go by and be a part of it. There's just so many lovely parts of relay. Like as I said, the first lap is really lovely. Um, the candlelight ceremony tonight's really beautiful, um, and they the whole track lights up with um, candle bags with people's you know messages on them. It's really lovely.
3: Yeah, I was going to talk a bit more about the candlelight ceremony. You mentioned that's probably quite emotional because I'll just get to explain a little bit more about that candlelight ceremony.
9: Yeah, so basically there's candle bags that have little tea light candles in them and everybody writes their messages to people that they've lost to cancer um, and they light, line the track with them um, and it's really beautiful when all the, the lights go out and there's a, a slideshow with some um, photos that people submit that they want to um, honour their, their loved ones um, and it's really just... a uh, it's a lovely big warm hug from the community to be honest everybody supports each other and and then it's really quiet as um after the ceremony as everybody sort of laps around and just you know reflects and remembers
2: yeah janie what time's the candlelight
9: uh on dark so it should be around eight o'clock
2: yeah well well done uh is there someone you'd like to thank for I mean we've seen a lot of volunteers here nice and early.
9: Oh, our committee this is a, a volunteer run event so uh, look we guide them but they do all of the heavy lifting with this one and um, and they run it for the community so they do such an amazing job so a huge thank you to them um, and really just to the Central Coast community for getting on board and, and coming out and making this happen year after year. We're really grateful especially this year.
2: Any final words?
9: I just love you guys so much. Thanks, thanks so much for coming out here and, and shouting the word around. Brilliant. And yeah. a special special shout-out to Mick Morley. What a guy.
2: Yeah, and let's not forget Mick danced uh, in Dancing with the Stars, which is... As a,
9: did you. A, winner. A, a
2: winner. About to uh, have its 10th anniversary coming up.
9: It is. Big one.
2: And, and there could be some big news that Mick won't share with us at the no, moment. No,
9: that's right. It's a, a big...
2: Due to overwhelming demand, he might be back. <laughs> that, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Saturdays on the Coast. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. I told you one of their staff members had a milestone and it's a guy that we all love that's daniel bosley so this week celebrated 15 years with robson civil projects started his engineering career with robson's straight out of university Uh, during the early years with robson's he predominantly worked on remote projects uh, but bringing the benefit of seeing different parts of New South Wales and gaining lifetime friends with the business. And that's what they stand for. Family-run business, third generation, celebrating 60 years. We're hoping next week, we're hoping we might be live from their open day. Now, it's Saturdays on the coast, but that means we'll be broadcasting north of Newcastle. Is it Tomago, just near the Newcastle airport where West Track is? So that's a chance for you to get your foot in the door... With Robson Civil Projects in the civil engineering business, you'll be able to see everything they do. We'll tell you more about that in the coming week. Saturdays on the coast on SEN.
1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Mingara. It's the Cancer Council Relay for Life. How good was that, boys, having Janie Maloney join us live on the air?
7: She's yeah. fantastic, mate. And the work that they do, um, you know, the nine, nine-to-five job, but, you know, after hours. And the the thing about the Cancer Council, Steve, and you know, because we've both done, the, as you said, the dancing, they're... It's a job, but they're just passionate, mate. And if you're if you're so passionate about your job, I think it obviously becomes easy. But then again, there's a lot of sort of you know n- bad things happen in that job too, and you see a lot coming and going. And um, I think you've got to be very res- re- resilient. And um, she's she and and Sarah and all the crew and they're are, are fantastic people.
2: Yeah. Know? Well, I know you danced for your brother, and I danced in memory of Claire Halson, so my wife's stepmum and. Yeah, it's just devastating what happened, and she had so much class. Mm. And uh, when we finished dancing, I know that it was so emotional afterwards when it sinks in, mm. and everyone that runs here or walks here tonight, they'll have the same feeling. So they're doing it for someone...
7: But it's just, it wasn't, you know, and as you as said, after you danced, it's... The, it's not it's emotional for you but then the people around you you now there's what 20 or so us in the green room and everyone feels you know what i mean everyone just gets that emotion out of you and into yourself and it's sort of lucky there's just a couple of drinks after the night mate otherwise you probably wouldn't be able to sleep that
2: that was one of the best nights i've been a part of so the cancer council central coast dancing with the stars and wow it'd be incredible if you're back hey let's go to our next guest (laughs) (laughs) you're like the mafia (laughs) but uh, let's go to our next guest and uh, i tell you she deserves a standing ovation we absolutely love her the coach of the australian men's netball team back on the coast nerida stewart good morning welcome back to our show good morning fellas that all
0: these standing ovations
2: i'm, I'm, I'm blushing <laughs> yeah yeah well you thoroughly deserve it because like gary Birkinshaw said earlier this morning we'll pick it up guru six months ago have yeah. we ever heard about this sport no look
3: Men's netball, and it's probably fair to say, six months ago, no-one really knew it. And now, fast forward to the six months, you know, they're live on live free-to-air TV. The media coverage they get, we see narrower on the TV and media all the time. And, and there's full credit to, to the netball organisation that they've actually promoted the men's sport the way they have. And, and I think you can take a lot of credit for that as well. I was on social media uh, this morning, just having a look and, and forever promoting it and yeah, what you've achieved you know, in recent times with the, the tournament against uh, against New Zealand and then the games against England. But it's not only men's opens, it's under 23s and under 20s and mixed as well. So congratulations on what you've done.
0: Thanks so much. It's been a bit of a whirlwind six months and I think the people that dreamt the dream early early on uh, are absolutely stoked at, at what's happened over the last six months but particularly the last four weeks it's it's been um really embraced by the broader netball community and now world netball have really got behind the this brand of the game and it's a really positive outlook for, for men's netball um in the future which is great
2: hey nerida since we last spoke to you i don't think you'd played the english men can you tell us about that experience because that got huge coverage
0: Oh, look, that was uh, an absolute pinch-me moment for myself and a lot of the boys. I think over the course of the New Zealand test, I think we got a bit of traction with media and we got some more crowds in the grandstands. And then we hit Kudos Bank Arena um, for the English test. And the crowd was enormous. And, and the sound of you know the supporters backing the boys for particularly the last half of the game was just something that I know that these boys have dreamt about for a really long time, but for me as a coach, it was just a real... Doing that in your hometown was just fantastic. The English team were, were there to, you know, promote their game for their country and, and also for the broader game. And um, they, you know, brought out a lot of younger boys and really took it to us in the first... Probably uh, half of the first quarter. And then the, um, the Aussie boys sort of put the pedal down and came away with a pretty pretty convincing win.
3: Yeah, Nerida, tell me a little bit more about the players. How have they embraced this new uh, found start I suppose, to a certain degree, a new exposure? How have they handled that? And gee, it must be exciting looking forward to the future and what it, what it can offer them.
0: Look, I think there's been a lot of uh, work in the background for us. There's a lot of education pieces that we've constantly had to roll out with the team to make sure that they're adjusting well and, and not sort of getting ahead of themselves. and there was a big message for us about every time we got out there, you know, not to play the occasion but to play the game and that was sort of a mantra that we had throughout the whole process and I think uh, the Fast Five tournament that we just had in Christchurch was, was a little bit more difficult because it's, it's almost like a real carnival atmosphere, and the boys were getting a lot of media coverage and, and stuff there, and they, they tended to get a little bit caught up in that, but it was um, a lot of fun, and I think this whole thing is just a massive learning experience for them and one that they're embracing fully, which is which is brilliant.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Fast Fives and how that tournament went, but also have you seen a bit of a changing of the guard in terms of crowds? Like, are you seeing this start to cut through and you're getting... A lot of maybe female fans who've always gone to the netball starting to embrace the men's code.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think since I've been back, you, you heard a bit of it while we were away, but since um, and and even after the Sydney game, there was a lot of fans that were in the crowd that had sort of come to have photos of the boys post-game that had sort of said to them, you know, we'd never really watch men's netball and we can't wait to see more of it. And I think since I've been back, I've had some conversations with some you know, netball stalwarts that have been around the game for a long time who had this sort of preconception as to what men's netball would be and then watched it uh, during the last couple of tests and, and the fast five, and they're, they're hooked. They just can't wait to see more, which is great because then it's a you know promotional piece, and everyone knows word of mouth is fantastic with anything. So hopefully, we can sort of get them to engage with more of the crowds, and, and next year we get, you know, even more people at the game.
2: If we look at NRL versus NRLW, There'd be a lot of people say that they love the NRLW because there's aspects of the game that don't reflect what we see in the NRL. So there's far less wrestle. There's great skill level, of course, but what about the differences between the women's game and the men's game in Nepal?
0: Look, I think it's um, the gaps, I suppose from a skill perspective, the gaps closing because the men have really um, upskilled in the last few years around their game. And I think the difference probably is more of a physical thing at the moment. Uh, the, the boys are a lot faster and a lot stronger in the air than the, than the girls are. Um, and I think that the catch-up piece for the men is that they need to understand that court craft and that court sense in the game that the girls have really have have had embedded in them since their fundamental sort of years. I think when you come to any sport late in the piece, you're sort of catching up on all those early... Um, fundamental skills and, and the language and stuff. So uh, they're very quick learners. That is one thing that I've learned about men, that they uh, learn and implement very quickly. So I can't see that the, the gap will be too big for too long.
2: doesn't sound like a lot of the men that I know learn and implement and adapt quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it takes decades. Hey, uh, Where is, where, particularly looking at the guys alongside me, where, uh, where have your men come from Have they always been netball players or have they come from other sports? Uh, Because, yeah, as a former AFL player, I found netball a fantastic game to play personally. So how about for you?
0: Look, we we do have a lot of boys that have crossed over, particularly the Victorian boys um, have done AFL uh, and netball and have continued to. A lot of the country associations in Victoria have these, Um, Clubs that are netball and AFL-based. So there tends to be a little bit of a crossover and the AFL boys will get involved in the mix netball, whether it's with their sisters or their girlfriends or mums or any of that. And so they start to be sort of exposed to that. But there are about 50% of the the squad that have been playing since they're juniors, um, whether they've been involved as a player up until 12 and then tried to find opportunity elsewhere. But we do have a bit of a crossover, a few basketballers, a few soccer players. Um, There is that sort of multi-sport that... People have just had opportunity to play netball and realised that they're quite good at it um, and then looked for opportunity to get better and and it's sort of just developed from there.
2: Nerida, we're starting to get the wind-up from our producer. So Gary and I are going to hit you with three more quick questions in the next minute. You go first, Guru. Okay. So so Australia New Zealand,
3: certainly the leaders, England's coming along. What's the position worldwide in relation to other
0: nations in, in playing men's netball? We've got uh, Jamaica and South Africa that also have a national team uh, for the men at at the moment. So the top five women's uh, countries have a national men's side. So hopefully, if we can get one more, Uganda are punching on the door too. So hopefully we can look to have maybe a World Cup pretty soon.
2: Yeah, here's my two rapid-fire questions. When does the conversation start in earnest about 2032, the Olympics in Brisbane?
0: Now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great answer.
2: We've got some Central Coast players in this squad. Tell us more.
0: Uh, Liam Forcadeo is in the squad. He's uh, played through the last test and the uh, Fast Five series and is an exceptional netballer. I think he's got an exceptional family background in sport, but he's going to be around for a long time and potentially could be one of those faces that you see in the World Cup. So look out.
2: And final question, and you can answer this with a one-word answer, but the sponsorship debacle... Women's netball, hard done by in terms of the national media coverage?
0: Uh, No, I think there's a lot more to the story than a lot of people understand, and I think people need to educate themselves before we make
2: comments. Oh, okay. We'd like to probe on that, but we won't. (laughs) I tell you, it's been so so good to have you back on, and uh, we'll catch you Monday with NBN Television.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, fellas. Always happy to talk men's netball. You know that.
2: Yeah. Congratulations. Another standing O for Stewart joining us on this Saturday morning. Uh, We're back to wrap the show in a few moments. Live from Mingara, the Cancer Council Relay for Life. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN
1: robson civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience visit RobsonCivilprojects.com.au.
2: bj house metal
1: land the coast's tradies choice for tools steel gas visit bjhouse.com.au you're listening to saturdays on the coast
2: yeah welcome back we're live at Mingara, our final break of the morning at the cancer council relay for life not sure about you gary and uh and Paul badger mick Morley, but i think i'll come back later on today uh, I kind of just want to be around it and enjoy what's going to be a great celebration.
3: Yeah, I've just really embraced today. I really have. It's, it's something that, it's, you know what, just by seeing it here and speaking to the, the couple that we've had on here, it's just, it just becomes a, a must-do event for me it's, at some stage. My wife, they did the seven bridges down in City for a council, and, um, and that was for her father who passed away. But, yeah, I, I could just i oh, just love to come down and feel what the atmosphere is going to be here later on.
2: Hey, uh, after what Nerida Stewart just said at the end of the last segment about uh, the sponsorship debacle, it was a debacle. We had spirited debate off the air, didn't we? And uh, we probably can't repeat what we were saying on the air. But uh, just just amazing what is. Unfolded not just in netball, but also in cricket. Boys, uh, let's take a look at a f- couple of final things. So Matildas are on the coast on Tuesday night. Yeah. They take on Thailand, but they're also playing today. Yep, number two ranked Team Sweden
3: at Amy Park, 245 today. So it'd be great to have the Matildas here on uh, on the central coast. Uh, still leading up to the uh, the Women's World Cup, which is next year. So uh, just part of the preparation. And hopefully Sam Kerr will actually play.
2: It's funny when Sweden play, even my wife will say, it's like they've got an assembly line of supermodels playing for the national team.
7: Yeah, it's always a good game to watch those games, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Uh,
2: Going to be uh, USA number one, Sweden number two. This is in the world rankings. Germany three, England four, France five. Australia way down at the moment in the women's rankings at 13. But looking forward to to seeing them on the coast on Tuesday night. Grab your tickets. Of course, tomorrow Mariners in action against MacArthur, chasing three in a row.
7: Yeah, well, that's right. Um, all night, Dwight's in town tomorrow, mate. Um, what a magnificent um, you know, ambassador for, for football he is. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him on the sideline. He's just one cool dude, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing him tomorrow. And the Mariners, obviously, uh, they're pumped after last week, and I think that they're going to get uh, a little bit of a roll on. And as Quaz said, it's probably going to ha- want to finish this last game before the break for the World Cup uh, with a bang. And, and uh, the boys look confident yesterday, and I think we'll definitely get... Get a, uh, I'm going three now.
2: Yeah, and one thing we didn't say is that we uh, we've got a game in hand. So we're fourth on the ladder at the moment, and we played one game less along with the Jets. Yeah,
7: of course. Yeah. And the Jets, you know the Jets started well, and, and look, they've uh, well, what do I say? Crashed and burned a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's uh, we've got uh, we are playing them twice in December. The Jets actually, we've got two games against the Jets in December well, before Christmas.
2: Let's hope we go back to back. Hey, Gary local cricket people have been scouring the record books because one young player has been in career best form yeah
3: the entrances brock hardy's hit three centuries in a row to start the season uh, fantastic young player only 20 years of age and uh, hitting the ball really really well at the moment so uh...
2: yeah and this time last week we're at the regional bash for women's cricket t20 and not only did our local women win their first game they got beaten against Newcastle, but they won their third game. Now they're off to the finals at North Sydney Oval. Yep, finals day
3: uh, in, at North Sydney Oval in, in March. So, look, fantastic effort by the by the women there. You know, hadn't won a game previously, played really, really good cricket and thoroughly deserved to uh, get their opportunity on the bigger stage. Who deserves a shout-out? Uh, Amy Cunningham was fantastic.
2: You know, captain last year, but she was she was brilliant with the bat and, uh, and led well. Yeah, boys, uh, great to see you. Uh, thank you to Valentine Holmes, our technician here. Thanks to Adam back at headquarters for coordinating absolutely everything. Guru, thanks to you as well, mate, because I think Buttes is back in the saddle next week. But you've done a superb job in 2022 for the sports show.
3: Yeah, look, thanks. I, I love it. I love coming out. I love talking sport for two hours. And
2: talking to Mick earlier, it just goes so quick. So thank you very much. Great to see you, boys. Uh, you too. Cheers. Mick, Mick Morley. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday, maybe at the Robson Civil Projects Open Day. Saturdays on the coast on SEM.